This episode is brought to you by the content creators at Live City Media. They've been filming and editing since 2013 and know exactly what it takes to make your brand's online presence pop. Head over to livecity.media to connect with the team today. Happy Friday. Good afternoon, Sean. How are you, buddy? Happy Oppen... Was it Oppenheimer? Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer weekend. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what's happening this weekend. I'm so curious to see who's going to win. Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like, they both win, technically. The, the marketing campaign around these movies has been phenomenal. But I'm just oh, yeah. so curious to see who's going to win. No, no, marketing budget for both have been through the roof. Like, I can't so count the number of... Because of social yeah, media. Yeah. Like, True. Good question. My money is still on Barbie for family's sake, uh, I would say. I, I think was Barbie, Barbie will... but I think this week I might pivot and say Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen and a lot Mission of Impossible, yeah, Mission but... Impossible is our topic of the day, still yeah. in the race. So we'll see how much it can actually still... Uh, get out of the box office after a week, but uh, I think it's going to drop to yeah, third. Man. That's for sure. But I ran a poll on the, the Twitter page, and I've seen other websites run the same poll. Like, what are you going to go see this weekend? Uh, Barbie, Oppenheimer, or both? And in every one that I've seen, and I don't know, this is because like maybe it's just like the film nerds who go on these websites, not families. But Oppenheimer was the clear winner every single time. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So again, I don't know if that's because it's a niche poll, or if that's speaking to something that maybe we're not aware of. I guess a niche poll. I mean, I don't see yeah. like your everyday viewer like running to go see Oppenheimer. I mean, it's. Because I mean, I know Nolan's it's a Nolan. Name, yeah, his name carries. It's a, a Nolan lot. film, but it's a Nolan film, but it's a three-hour film, no action. I guess uh, only on an historical. Scientist, well, a scientist in World War Two who, who built the bomb. I mean, that's, I, I don't know, like it's for 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 us movie fans. I mean, that's a no brainer. But I mean, for just the the normal Joe out there and the just yeah. the the average family who like doesn't go to the theater that much. I don't, I don't, I'm I don't very know, man. I'm, I don't I'm know. Fascinated. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a lot of topics today that we're going to talk about Mission Impossible and the franchise. We also yeah. have to talk about the, the Montreal Comic Con. We, we yeah, went to of that. course. We, we went, went to that. that. And we got to, but first, and, yeah, no, know, for sure. We'll have a lot to discuss. We'll have a lot yeah. to discuss on that. Uh, I'm still trying to write one of the, the Q&As because it was the craziest q and I've ever been to. It might be better just to talk about it as opposed to writing about it because I was looking back at my notes. I'm just like, how am I going to transcribe this nonsense? So we'll reveal so, which that one is going to be in a few minutes. I think I know pretty much yeah. which one you're referring to, but uh, yeah, it's funny that it was chaotic. I wasn't there. I was. I was. I attended two of them with Sean, but the last one I, I missed uh, yeah. because the one I was supposed to go was canceled. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll get into all of that in a few. Uh, I just wanted to throw very quickly. We'll put this link in the description along with our usual links, but 
uh, a buddy of mine, he's doing a fundraiser right now for Douglas, which is a hospital over here in Montreal, and he's doing it for mental health. He's going to be doing um, a challenge as he's um, undertaking this fundraiser. It's called like the 4x4x48 Dave and Goggins Challenge. So he's going to be doing four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And the idea is that he's going to donate the money to the Douglas in order to get uh, like mental health awareness and so they can research things more. Um, it's a good cause. We don't pocket any of this money. It goes to them. And so I just want to do throw it out there. He's, he's got a target of $10,000 and he's currently at almost five and a half. So if you have the money, even if it's just a couple of dollars, I'm sure he would appreciate it because like I said, it's a good cause. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. Uh, go support him. We'll put the link in the description uh, for you guys to uh, contribute. But uh, thanks for the flag, man. It's a, it's a just cause. Yeah, and exactly. I'll, I'll look for I look forward to that, but he's a brave, a brave guy. Yeah, brave braver guy, soul than sure. I am for doing a, yeah, 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 yeah. a run like that. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I was in my prime, I'm not. Uh, I, I wouldn't be up to that <laughs> for something like that. So, um, yeah, no, thanks for sharing. Kudos to Jeff. Uh, kudos to Jeff. Kudos to Jeff. Yeah, it's uh, it's very inspiring. And you reminded me that it's actually like a sad day today because we we lost an icon this we morning. Did. Uh, um, yeah, the great Tony Bennett at 96 uh, unfortunately passed away. Passed away, but I mean, if we could all live to 96, that would be great. Yeah. That's that's good life. Yeah, it's 96. a good life, and he, he was he did albums like through most of his life. I, I think it's been a couple of years since he did something, but. Like he did an album with Lady Gaga not that long ago, relative for an artist of that age. It was like a jazz wow. duet album, and like and Tony Bennett's shown up in so many things. Like his song "Opened Up Goodfellas," he was in Simpsons. He's been in countless movies over the years as a little like cameo bit spots. So you know he he's had an impact. So whether you listen to him or not, it's like thank you, Tony Bennett. Yeah, thank you, Tony Bennett. Um, I think my grandparents on my father's side were fans of Tony Bennett. Um, it's one of not me, not my yeah, like family, but yeah. I, I don't own any Tony Bennett like vinyl or anything like that, but if I hear it come on, like uh, if I'm listening to like a jazz radio on Spotify and it comes on, I'm definitely not turning Tony Bennett off. Like He makes good music. It's a music that's written for me, no, but I can still enjoy it. Yeah, good call. Yeah. No, for sure. So we salute you, good yeah. sir. Rest in peace. Um, what, by the way, to commemorate his memory, what do you have in front of you to uh, raise your glass? Well, actually, I have the exact same thing I did from uh, our last episode because I realized I never actually got to talk about it. <laughs> the the Jameson uh, triple, uh, yeah, triple, 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 yeah. Because uh, triple, triple. I, we were such uh, we were on a time crunch because of our, our limitation that yeah. I just said, this is what I'm drinking, and we went straight to it. So I'm having the same thing again, where I can marinate on the flavors and the textures a little bit more than last time. So yeah, I'm going to sample that again, and I pose the same question to you. What do you have this week? Oh, it's a boring choice this week. Um, since like we're, we're going away for a trip, uh, my girlfriend and I, um, next uh, next week, so we're like, our fridge is empty, basically. I didn't go to buy anything, alcohol as well. So I'm just like seeing what, what kind of beer I still have in the fridge. Um, and this is actually a brand that is most of like the other types of beer in its por 
portfolio are being discontinued from Quebec for sure. The rest of Canada, I think, is the same. But um, I'm drinking Rickards Red. Oh, it's Remember, being discontinued? Old... Well, not Rickards Red. It's still going. Okay. But the rest of the portfolio is over and done with. Oh, um, I did not know that. And yeah, unfortunately, it's a bummer because I worked at Molson Coors uh, for the people who who don't know I, before uh, the, the, the job that I currently have. And uh, Rickers is actually part of the Molson Coors portfolio. We were brewing it. But as I understood it, um, the rest of the portfolio didn't do too well in terms of sales. So they decided to discontinue, I think, maybe, what, two or three years ago. Um, but the red is really popular, especially in the eastern Canadian provinces. So they're still brewing it. They're still shipping it. But minimal effort on marketing or on packaging. It's pretty much just like a red label <laughs> on the can. But it's it's good. It's um, I mean, it's a classic red ale beer. Uh, Rickards Red. I think a lot of people know it by name, um, and I have a bunch in the fridge that I haven't, haven't, haven't touched yet. So, well, today I said today's, today's the day. day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember I went to the uh, Irish Society breakfast right before the pandemic, maybe like 2018, 2019, and this is where you donate money to the hospital and you you get to sit down, and you have a breakfast, and like the mayor's there, like Anthony Calvillo is usually there. You'll have like members of the media there, like CTV, La Press, or whatever. Like they, they all show up, and you'd think Guinness would be like the sponsor beer. It was Rickards, <laughs> which is crazy though, because well, again, it was maybe around those years that it was discontinued or close, but uh, yeah. So that was my old team uh, yeah. doing that sponsorship. It's good. So yeah, no good, uh, good brand, but uh, yeah. The Jameson what about here is. It's very different from like a regular Jameson, I'll say that. The texture is a lot more consistent with like a water as opposed to being like thicker like some of the other scotches. This is very light, both uh, in terms of its palate and in terms of just how the consistency feels in your mouth. It's just more like liquidy, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, it has a very mild flavor. Uh, mm -hmm. It doesn't burn going down. There's no no burn when you go down the throat, down the down the hatch, as we would say. Down uh, the hatch. All the flavors are very subtle, I would say. Yeah, it's all right. it's on the lighter side. Um, probably hints of vanilla and like down that avenue. Uh, but it is it's a mild and light option. I think I would like it. Um, Compared to like the normal Jameson or some of the others that you've tried, like how would you rank it? Do you prefer it or not so Definitely much? prefer it more than a regular one. Uh, I still think the best thing Jameson's ever produced was the, was it the Select Reserve or the Limited Reserve? One of those two was around $55. Um, but we haven't, we haven't done a person-to-person um, -person in quite a while, I think, since the, the fall. So next time we do a person-to-person, yeah. -person, uh, you can maybe try one of these ones. Yeah, of course. No, we should do it a person to person before the summer ends for yeah. sure. We'll we'll find a date. We'll do that again. That would yeah. be a good uh, good idea. Uh, but I think what I noticed is that since we're so close to each other and like we can hear each other in, in like each other's mics basically. Yeah. So in terms of sound, it's it's a little chaotic. But yeah, we'll make we'll, it. We'll work. figure it out. We'll have to maybe. We'll, yeah, we'll have, we'll figure it out. That's that's sound we'll testing for a different out. day. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so do you want to right, talk about the Comic Con so, first? Sure, Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, interesting edition this year because huge numbers. Because yeah, sixty-five thousand yeah, people. 
a lot of people yeah. and i noticed it i think on saturday, saturday when we were nuts. both there together yeah. it was nuts like i once i heard that my final the final conference of the day was and again i had like <laughs> had to go back home because i was not digesting something too well but i wanted to stay longer but i i came back to the main floor and again it was swamping with people i'm just like fuck so no i, I decided to end the run early but yeah a lot of people a lot of cosplay yeah. The but whole, it like, was main floor was just exhibitors this time along yeah. with like the comic book artists and the panels were all up on a different floor and then like if you wanted like your autographs and photos that was on a different floor this year so that like main shopping floor was just so much bigger this year oh yeah it was yeah. huge uh and yeah like a lot of attendees families and stuff which is cool cool meaning that comic-con is really like getting up there in terms of like a big event yeah. in montreal during a, a weekend in july uh and they did a lot of marketing and radio spots uh yeah, yeah. prior like i heard a lot about it in um, on tv and on the radio so no they're going a, doing a good job selling them themselves to be honest it's good for them what do you think but, is uh, something that the comic-con did really well and what's something you think that it needs improvement in still oh good question something they did really well um could be just like anything, did really just like well. in general like yeah 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 no no good question um again i would say what they're doing really well i mean the ven the venue's great and i think they're doing a good job to be like fully inclusive so for everyone so regardless of what you like and like if you identify yourself as i don't know a geek or not you're still you still have fun going there, and I think you still feel the vibe of that. Um, it's very welcoming. Going through booth to booth. It's really welcoming going from booth to booth. Everybody seems really happy, and that's what I think one of the people, one of the the the, the, the guests that were there, uh, so, uh, I think it was either Lance Erickson or Michael Bean. I think one of them said, everybody's really happy yeah, here. Everybody's really like... I think it was Bean. Not... I think it was Michael, yeah. So, and I do agree with that. You're walking on the main floor. Everybody's just really happy. Yeah. Everybody's really like decompressed, chilling, just giving like themselves fully to like their the the, the inner child in them, and just like buying stuff yeah, and taking photos discussing. with cosplayers. Yeah, and meeting so people. That's, like, it's very it's very communal. It's yeah, exactly. So I think that's for sure would be their strong strongest suit um, regarding. What they could have done better. Um, well, again, I think next time around they need to plan for maybe a bigger space because now we're we're reaching that point where Comic Con is becoming really big, uh, and I'm not sure that the 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 Palais des Congrès, the Congress Center, is is the best place anymore. I'm not sure. Um, and again, it wasn't a weird addition, and maybe we can talk about it real quick, but. Because of the SAG strike, they do decide they decided to cancel a few events here and there, mm -hmm. out of solidarity for the artists, which I guess makes sense. But I'm just like, okay. But if they're not promoting any film or any work, like, is that still a problem? Yeah, that's why it was so, like the decision of the the actors or the, the company, I guess, to pull out, and it sucks that. It was like the day after the vote happened. It was so short noticed. Um, the ones that we were going to go to was uh, Sean Astin and Billy Boyd. And Billy Boyd Sam was Wise canceled, from, yeah. Uh, 
and Pippin from the Lord of the Rings, and it was a spur of the moment, like, oh, they're not doing any press, they're not doing any panel, they're still doing, like, the autographs and the photos, but they're not talking to anyone, basically, because yeah, I, I don't know why. Maybe it's because there's a Lord of the Rings animated movie as well that's in production at Warner Brothers, and that's, like, a future Lord of the Rings, and there's a conflict just by saying Lord of the Rings. It could be. Maybe. Yeah. Could be. And same for uh, the redo uh, rodeo effects uh, conference that I was supposed to go to for the to discuss the visual effects of the Last of Us. It was canceled as well. So I'm just like, okay, so is this still SAG? Maybe I don't know. So uh, yeah, a lot of cancellations yeah. because of the momentum we were in, basically. Yeah, the Smallville um, panel. We were told up front, like the the panelist came out, and he says, the actors and you guys are prohibited from saying the word Smallville. You have to call it that show or like this show. And it was told to both the actors and the audience members. It was so strange. And I'm just which like, is yeah, I'm like which is how nuts. am I going to write this I mean, in a it's blog a show. Article? It doesn't make any sense. I mean, the show is has been over for I don't know like 10 years more, even more so. And I was yeah, wondering more. is that because James Gunn is rebooting DC? Like He's working on Superman, so does Superman like envelop automatically the Smallville copyright, and they can't say it because Superman Legacy is in production or pre-production. I get, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. It was. I don't. I don't know. But it's yeah. It's 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 weird. So this clouded. I think this edition of Comic Con. Uh, even though like a lot of people were there and people still had like a lot of fun, but yeah, so that that was happening during. So again, I know it happened like the day before, so it's hard for them to do damage control around all of this. But it's yeah, you can you can feel that there was like some sort of lack of planning or efficient organization around all of this. But again, it's not it's not really their fault. I don't want to judge anybody, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, so, but otherwise, really cool event. I mean, still, every year is really fun. But I could tell, totally feel that this year was bigger. Like, yeah. a lot of people were there. Yeah, this uh, year was massive. It, I th it was massive, I yeah. remember, I think it was 2018, and they had these, like, video game booths where you can try uh, Call of Duty, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and Spider-Man early. And I wrote an article on the Spider-Man game because it, it was, like, four or five months before it came out and it was one of the biggest articles of the year that i wrote because it's like I, you got hands-on with spider-man like tell me how it feels and i thought that was really really cool but they haven't done something like that since and i really mm. wish they would bring that back because a it's great as media you get to try something new that other people haven't gotten hands-on with but it also creates this exclusivity around the event yeah, yeah i also no, wish sure. and this was more I know it comes down to budgeting at the end of the day, but I would hope that going forward, with the amount of people, like 65,000 people went this year, I hope they can get a bit more like A-list movie stars going forward. So we do have a lot of like yeah. either B-list or a lot of like older has has yeah, or yeah. a lot of like TV actors. So they don't true. like cost mm -hmm. as much. Yeah, no, true, true. Um, yeah, that would be that would be good. That would be nice because I could feel that this year, well, I mean maybe p since COVID, like the um, the stars that have been invited and showing up to Comic Con have been yeah, like you said, like maybe second tier, third tier, yeah, 
2019 was great. Like, I remember that lineup was like, whoa, that was like, it was really good. We got like Star Trek Discovery, like we had Star Trek. Uh, yeah, we had Star Trek Discovery. We had Jason Momoa was there, and wow, yeah, yeah I can't great. remember who else, but there was just like a, there was a lot of people who went uh, in the 2019 edition. Um, I think there was like three or four people from Discovery. It was really good, and that led into like the Strange New Worlds as well because there was like a the cast from what is now Strange New Worlds, the two leads. Um, so that was really cool. So I, I while we did have likes of like uh, Sean Astin and Billy Boyd, who were big like movie stars, I would hope that like at the Mandalorian panel, we only had uh, the Armor and uh, Trapper Wolf from the Mandalorian, and uh, yeah. Jean Carlos Esposito had to cancel. But it'd be nice if we can get like a Pedro Pascal. Mm. Like someone like of that caliber, of that t- caliber, yeah, yeah tenure or yeah, kind of like a, a big person. But like, um, I'm trying to just spitball ideas off the top of my head. Like, I don't think we'll ever get the likes of like an Emily Blunt, for example. I think she's probably too big. But yeah. could we get someone like um, like Charlie Hunnam from uh, yeah. The Gentleman? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that would be that, good because I think those would be like the those actors are still working on ongoing projects, and we can ask them things that aren't baited by nostalgia. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. The Michael, well, fingers crossed. Yeah, because the Michael Bean and Lance Hendrickson panel that we sat in on, I mean, it was fantastic, but it was almost entirely contingent on aliens. A little too much, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, that was the big wall. I, I yeah. Although, like, I like seeing those guys on on stage. Like, I grew up with for for so long. Uh, it was, and I wrote a piece about it um, on Screen Hub, so you can go read it. But it's yeah, it was a lot about aliens and some of the questions. Again, I'm not. I don't want to. Like, sorry for the for the word, but like, bitch on the on the crowd, but. Some of the questions, I mean, I'm like, is that is is this the best you got? Like, oh, how was it to work with Linda Hamilton, with whom you worked with like once in, in 1984 and never so again? Like, for sure, he's gonna say good things about her. So there's not, it's not like it's it's, it's not a surprise. I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just like, is that like the most like the biggest question you wanted to ask? Yeah. That that's I that's remember that, I know? went up and so asked like, uh, at the Star Trek panel. And it was Ethan Peck and Anson Mount, and they were taking on the roles of Captain Pike and Spock for Stranger mm-hmm. Worlds and Discovery Season 2. And our, everyone else was kind of asking, like, well, what, what about this and what about that? Like, what's your favorite thing? You know, like, safe questions. Safe questions. And I went yeah. up and I was just like, what was it like, I'm paraphrasing here, but what was it like to become the custodians of, like, legacy characters? And Ethan mm. Peck just sort of like looked over at Anson Mount and was just like, okay, that's a hard one. And there was just a solid like 10 minute silence as they were like trying to think of an answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I got man. a great uh, answer out of it. Like Ethan Peck went on for like a good five minutes talking about Spock and how he has to separate the original versions of the character versus his interpretation of the character. And I was like, nice. I got a great answer. But. That was back then. This was this year. We we did get some good ones though, depending on the the question. Someone posed the question about what it was it like working with Bill Paxton. And despite your comment about Linda Hamilton the one time, I think we got a great reply related to Bill Paxton. 
We did. Yeah, we did. That was like the opener, actually. Yeah. The first question like the, the audience asked was like, oh, how was it to work with Bill Paxton, who passed away in uh, 2017? Yeah. Uh, great actor, worked with James Cameron a, a whole bunch. Uh, no, they had a good thing, good things to say, He's, that he was really energetic, dynamic, a lot, a lo a lot like his character in Aliens. Minus the coward Private bit. <laughs> exactly, Private Hudson. Um, no, they had good answers, and again, just talking about their experience working with Cameron, uh, Lance Erickson, talking about like his first film, <laughs> which is like miles away from what he's doing now. But um, yeah, no, it's well, I was still happy to be there, but I'm just like, my God, this this was really like mostly on pretty much all aliens yeah. and a sprinkle a little I, bit of like tombstone a here a little, little bit of spring there. stone yeah a little bit not much and again some of the questions i was just like oh that's okay i expected i wanted more but it's fine it's not like they'll they'll answer depending on where the discussion takes them you know so yeah. it's also like our fault not just theirs but but yeah no it was still fun to see them in person and to um be in that same room and just uh yeah discuss uh, some of the the big old sci-fi classics that we were used to. So the, the topic of like some go. outrageous questions that, that came a lot in the, the subsequent panel that we went to, uh, we were going to go sit on the Billy Boyd and Sean Aston, but it was canceled. So we were like, well, Nolan North is about to start right now, which was great. Yeah. Great guy. A lot of things to say. Yeah. yeah. Fred's never played uncharted. So Fred was, no. Fred was just I'm sort of like Xbox guy. Yeah. yeah so Fred was just sort of like, yeah, I guess we'll go in. As soon as the panel was done, Fred was like, that was great. That was great. Great guy. I love them. Yeah. Really good, cool guy. And Fred observed and he's that. Yeah, you, you he was excited to be there. Yeah. He was excited to be there. He answered everything really professionally. But with like, ex like I don't know. He's He, he was interested, interested he was in giddy. every single thing that people had to say. Yeah. So. Even when the question was like, I'm an aspiring voice actor. And you're like, oh, not again. Because <laughs> we heard like two or three of those questions. Two or three of those. And then once a, a guy arrived and he asked, like, what is your... the proudest or biggest moment of your life or mm -hmm. what is your biggest regret i'm just is that really one you want to ask i'm like but we got like on. a five minute like, answer out of him yeah exactly and he, he discussed a lot of things i guess he still he, well, he had a lot of like chatter in him he, he yeah. could found like he replied in huge like anecdotes for like five to seven minutes yeah. but and as you really cool guy he gave off like robin williams vibes he did, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Changing his voice from time to yeah, time. Yeah, he would. He did, he'd be yeah. talking, and then he'll next thing you know, he's doing like a Mickey Mouse voice, and then he's pivoting to Portal Two, and he's just he'll be talking, and oh, I'll just change my voice for no reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I like yeah, uh, the no, part he was, where he's he was saying he was rehearsing for uh, Nickelodeon, and he had to like play <laughs> like a, a dying cat or something. So he's like in the bathroom, like <laughs> pretending to be like a cartoon cat coughing up hairballs. His wife knocks on the door. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yep, exactly. And his wife is a producer of it at HBO, so she's got like a bit of pedigree to her. And she just like knocks on the door. She's like, like, honey, are you going insane? Or are you rehearsing for a role? And he's just like, a little bit of both, because <laughs> you're playing a dying, coughing up cartoon cat. Like, you probably have yeah. to be a little bit on the spectrum. <laughs> No, he was, uh, yeah, no, he was great. Uh, really found him really entertaining, really fun, fun guy. I really so, like yeah, the, that was, I think, the highlight uh, of the conferences. Yeah. It was this one. No I, I really liked his anecdote yeah. about the Deadpool video game. And he said there was no script at all. He just 
improvised all his lines based on like the dialogue. Well, not the dialogue, the, the actions that were happening on the screen. Because Deadpool mm-hmm. wears a mask, so there was no lip syncing. So he was just saying whatever nonsense came into his head. And he was like, wow, you, you kept all that? <laughs> and yeah. yeah. And I started watching a couple of clips uh, when I came home. I'm just like, man, this game is nutterballs. I remember playing it. I was just like, jeez. Yeah, I never played it. Can't comment. But yeah, overall, final notes. Yeah. Good Comic-Con, good okay. fun. Well, but, I also uh, sat in on the, the Smallville panel. <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Like, how how, how did this one go? So that was in the big room, and like it was full, 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 full. Uh, people like lined up for like a good hour, an hour and a half to get in. I was in line probably like a good 45 minutes. And mm-hmm. so you had the six cast members. Uh, you had... The actors who played Clark, Lex, Supergirl, Lana, um, Lois, and Lionel Luther. All right, like the the whole cast. Pretty, you had like a lot of the core yeah. cast members, but the, the a the show has has been done a while, and b the show ran for ten years. So like Tom Welling, the lead, had been on the show for ten years. Not all of them have been on the show for ten years, but you know they've worked together for extended periods of time. Yeah. I had the impression that they had put the show behind them. And they were not really that crazy about it or happy to be Oh no, here. they were happy That's to be there, but they were they were like high schoolers on a field trip. Like Michael mm. Rosenbaum is just chucking candy into the crowd. When you went to go ask your question, he was like in order to validate your question, you have to say like I'm Batman in a Batman voice. They would just constantly be like interrupting each other. Do you remember that time when? And they'd be like, Yeah, like when Rosenbaum sent the guy over and he had like really bad diarrhea and he diarrheaed inside Tom Welling's trailer. And it just, it was a lot of like reminiscing. But, and it almost yeah, felt yeah. like you were watching, um, like you were privy to like their conversations. And yeah, it, it yeah. just kind of felt like them hanging out. And, I said they're they're constantly interrupting each other. Their answers are sort of like, like well, this question is for you, and you're trying to squeeze like six people answering like one question, and then they're all interrupting each other. It was just it was kind of mayhem. It was really funny to watch. It was almost like a comedy show, just because of how chaotic it was. But I'm trying to jot down the notes in the notebook. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to transcribe this. It's great in the moment. It's utter madness, and it's utter madness. Y- you didn't get too much out of it, but you got great laughs because it was just so random. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Wild. And it's funny because I think mo. Well, it's not not funny is not, not the right word, but most of them, if not all of them, are not actively working right now. I think am they're I, making correct? good residuals on that Smallville money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I guess so, but. uh it's just that they didn't have an active career after that. I mean, just Tom Welling for once. I mean, he did cheaper by the dozen, and that's the only other thing I can think it's, of. I think that's the only thing he did. He didn't yeah. do anything else. Rosenbaum's got a great young-ish, podcast. but okay. Oh, you good. should actually check that out. It's called uh, "Inside of You" with Michael Rosenbaum, and he just interviewed "Inside of You." Yeah, that's the. <laughs> I know. It's, okay. I know. Interesting. But he has these like. <laughs> hour to two hour conversations with like directors and actors like he, he interviews james gunn he had robert patrick on uh, nick frost and oh, okay. yeah, good, no, he's got good, uh, and he has guests, yeah, yeah yeah he's got really good guests and he, he he knows a lot of them and it's a lot of just like informal conversation essentially it's not a structured interview 
It's very relaxed, very informal. They're just hanging out, having a conversation. I think you'd like okay. it. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, Rosenbaum's podcast. I'll look it up. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for sharing that, man. I wasn't there with you, so uh, <laughs> I missed something chaotic. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. But, uh, it was nuts. So yeah. next year, we'll see who we got, um, who will have that time around. But uh, hopefully, yeah, bigger, bigger A-list stars, yeah. if possible. I'd rather have uh, less bigger stars than a lot of like B-tier stars. Yeah. Yeah. True. Personally, like and we we always have like some sort of Star Trek presence at the Montreal Comic Con. Like this year was a couple people from Next Generation, and I'm just there like, here we go again, Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek, yeah. yeah. And we didn't we didn't watch the Next Generation that much, so we're not that close to it and not that invested yeah. so yeah. it was just like it was on when it was on tv but it wasn't like i have to watch every episode like if it was there it was there i think i watched yeah, more voyager here. if i watched next gen anyway same here I anyway mission impossible mission impossible the topic of the day uh yeah we both saw dead reckoning part two uh part, part one two, sorry part Getting one part two yourself. is either yeah exactly part, part two is uh part two, on pause is, right now <laughs> It is, yeah. yeah. So normally it was supposed to what come out next year, but it's supposed to be like later, I guess, 2025 probably. Probably, or well, maybe later, maybe like a November 2024, depending on how long the strike goes for. Exactly, yeah. So yeah, Death Reckoning Part 1. Uh, so MI7 Part 1, uh, which I saw this Tuesday with my in-laws and my girlfriend. We had a good time. Um, but... You can start with your own. You did a review on screen yes. now, but you can start, I guess, with your own appreciation of the on the film and uh, of the film, yeah. and I'll follow. But uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've been talking a lot about MI with friends over the the week. Um, it's a two and a half hour action bonanza starring Tom Cruise, as we all know. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really entertaining. Uh, I thought the story was better in this one compared to Fallout, but I think the action in Fallout was better than Dead Reckoning. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think the marketing uh, uh. showed off too much of the action. Because I'd seen True. the bass drum so many times in like the previews in the IMAX beforehand. Yeah, so when, it happens, so when you see it, it's not as impressive. Yeah, yeah I do agree so with that. So I was that, like, oh actually. yeah, like that, that's yeah. the big stunt in the movie. And I was like, cool. And then they have like the train sequence and everything, but nothing compared to like the helicopter chase in Kashmir from Fallout. Yeah, no, it doesn't even compare. Yeah, not yeah. even close. That said, I really enjoyed the story. Uh, I thought the airport chase sequence in particular was a technical wonder of editing. Uh, I really liked Haley Atwell's yeah, character. Yeah. I did too. I did too. I'll do my review after. I, I thought at here and there, her acting was maybe a little off. Here and there, not always. But yeah, I did like her character as well. And really like more of a, like a Catwoman kind of persona. You know what's interesting? Uh, yeah. On paper, her character is almost exactly the same as Helena from Dial of Destiny. Not, pretty close. Pretty close. Pretty close. But the difference yeah, is... Pretty close. I really liked Haley Atwell's character, and I was kind of indifferent to Helena. I was indifferent to Helena as well. But actually, you know what? I know who maybe they, they got inspired by to like create this character. But you remember Mission Impossible 2? Yeah. Teddy Newton's character was pretty much the same same kind of 
girl, right? Like a, a jewel thief. I haven't seen thief. MI2 in quite a while. Yeah, like a thief for hire or something like that. She was mm -hmm. she was exactly that. So, but she like a lot of people say, oh, it's right, the first time where yeah, Fanny Newton's character was much more of an ally to Ethan Hunt from the get go, whereas Haley Atwell's character was far more. I'm in it for myself, and I will betray you at any chance I can get. Until a certain point, yeah. but yeah, if, I think maybe seventy-five percent of the film she's that at one point that it it changes a little bit. But yeah, I do I do agree. But yeah, overall, so just to conclude on your review, so you yeah you I think you thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's I still think it's, one of the top um, Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I think if I were to rank the the last three going from like five, six, seven, it's probably five, six, seven in that order from best to worst for me. But I still think Dead Reckoning Part One is probably a stronger movie than Ghost Protocol. I do agree on that, actually. I do agree that um, go I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I don't think I'll be able to like uh, publish it uh, anytime soon. But I, I was like started working on a on a ranking of the Mission Impossible movies, and I amazed myself because although I really liked uh, Dead Reckoning, uh, like a solid four stars, yeah. um, I actually rank it like. 10. Yeah, close. Mm. I would say, uh, yeah, an 8.5. That would be good. Um, I actually rank it, like, in the middle directly. Like, mm. in it's it's, a, it's a, like a middle-tier Mission Impossible film because I still think that Fallout is a better film in, all, in everything. So even though I like the story in Dead Reckoning, Fallout, I think, in, on every turn is a better film. I yeah. think it remains the superior and like the the the, the example. Is that the best one remains. for you? Still, yes. Yeah. Mission Impossible Fallout is the yeah. best one. I think Rogue Nation is uh, the best one, but I will say that Fallout has second, second. Yeah. Uh, like it's close. I think that the the previous two McQuarrie films are like the best of the franchise. Yeah. Fallout I mean, has I the best action, that. hands down. Like, that is the oh, pinnacle. Yeah. I think yeah. the story in Rogue Nation was just a little more interesting. Yeah, and the story in this one uh, as well, like just using AI as the main villain, I felt really like okay, this is like timely, pretty actual, timely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but it's it it's still it felt like a first part of a of a masterpiece because the pace is really slower than I expected. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, there's not a lot of action scenes in this one. Not no. if, not a lot. Which is why I, was, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. That the airport sequence is my favorite sequence in the movie yeah. it's not an action scene but it's like a cat it's and not mouse. an action scenes it's like cat and mouse yeah. thing you have well if you can count it there's the desert sequence in the beginning yeah. it's not that action it's heavy just, it's, it's a short quick scene you have the venice scene which i really like i think it's my favorite uh of the whole bunch so just the the club scene and then followed by the the the, the, the hallway like the the, the narrow hallways yeah. like fight scene and the scene on the bridge and then you have the train scene, which I thought was too long, unfortunately. Like, wait, way too long. Too long and a little uh, underwhelming. Yes. And like you said about the big stunt, we, we know that the big stunt of the film is the, the motorcycle jump. But the way it's shot, it's so weird because it's it, it even this looks really underwhelming. Like, if you had to rank all the big stunts that Cruz did 
since Ghost Protocol, like you know the 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 Burj Khalifa building, the C17, like yeah. just oh, him hanging out of the C17, everything in Fallout. This this is like at the very bottom, yeah. like in, in in on how it was shot. It was weird how we've seen the B roll so many times now, right? Like when he's we're not even impressed by it. Yeah, yeah well, not even mm -hmm. that. Like we see the ramp, like that, the physical ramp that they constructed with the drones and all the B roll footage that they put online and before some screenings over the the springtime. But despite that, the shot felt CGI. The well, yeah, and I think you pointed it out before I saw it. But the rock that he's jumping from is CGI. Yeah, and I think some of like once he's falling, like the the motorcycle looks CGI. And again, but you have then you have the IMAX shot of him flying, and you're like, okay, this is real. Yeah. This works, but before that, his actual jump looked, I don't know what was real and what wasn't, yeah, to be there honest. There was like it's an uncanny valley a little bit. I also noticed yeah. a, a lot of green screen in the train sequence, especially when they're doing a like lot. the yeah. Uncharted 2 climbing up the falling train. Like, yeah, it was so long, just like one wagon after another. I'm yeah. just like, oh, I right, get over, get get over it. Yeah. Like it's too and For like, a series it was that too prided long. itself yeah. on like practical effects, I was like, it's weird to have the train, the interior of the train, field CGI when Tom Cruise climbs the Burj Khalifa. And the other thing they CGI'd was the removing the ropes. Exactly. So it was like, yeah. like the like I know they're not going to drop a piano, but you can tell the outdoors is a green screen. And the piano was a green screen. I'm just like, I felt like that probably could have been like a rubber prop. And they could have just dropped that and then they could have maybe been using cables and harnesses or something but i don't know it felt weird was it still really entertaining yeah don't get me wrong but it was for the most yeah. part i would say after after a while i was getting like okay maybe we need to wrap this up but uh yeah no overall it was for sure an entertaining film i they don't they don't they don't they don't f this up usually in Mission Impossible films. Uh, it's still the same crew, same director, yeah, like crews involved. Better than so most. Still the same formula that we've yeah. seen, especially like within the superhero genre. This is exactly a great movie, miles ahead of a lot of other movies we've seen, especially in the past couple of years. Is it the best Mission Impossible movie? No. No. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, it's it's mid tier, like I say. It's, I mean, it's like five and above six. Like there's seven movies. Five. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what's yeah. your ranking? Just out of curiosity. Um, five, six, one. Like uh, I would say, f six is the f the best still, followed by Rogue Nation. Five. I have I have a lot of admiration, a lot of love for the first one. So actually, my third my third uh, my third favorite is Mission Impossible One. I really, really enjoyed that film. So even though it's really like it's miles away <laughs> in terms of production value, but I still really enjoy it. Uh, Dead Reckoning Seven would be fourth. Uh, after that, I would say Mission Possible Three, that I still really like. Well, all the movies are good actually. It's just a question of like which one is better than the other. And then the last two I would say Mission Impossible Two and Ghost Protocol last. Ooh, controversial. Yeah. I know, but and I'm really I I stand by it and I'm happy because like let me ask you a question. Apart from the Burj Khalifa sequence, is anything else in that film memorable or do you remember anything else about it that is like worth discussing? Worth discussing. Um the story, I would say. 
Uh, Which is not, it's not good. The story of the Ghost Protocol. I mean, it's it's a nuclear MacGuffin. I that's think it. the the problem that Ghost Protocol had was the same problem that the first John Wick had was putting the terrific Swedish actor. Well, I can't remember his name right now, but the guy who played uh, Swedish Mikael Boomfist in uh, Dragon Tattoo, he was the villain in Ghost Protocol, making him a physical threat as opposed to a mental mm-hmm. threat. It wasn't really mental in that, that yeah, film. He has like a uh, fist fight yeah. with uh, Ethan Hunt at the end in the parking lot. And you're just there like, ah, just like John Wick 1, you're like, I don't believe that this guy would be a, an obstacle. No, no, exactly. And and even that, I mean, I do remember that that sequence, but I just fi- find, unfortunately, the rest of the film to be not that memorable. Maybe some sequences in Mumbai, like you say, but apart the, from the that, uh, mission. I remember quite well. Yeah, it's fine, but <laughs> yeah, mission Ghost Protocol. I don't, I don't like. Apart from everything in Dubai, yeah, apart the, from that, I'm yeah, just like it's, it's fine. Best, yeah. If I were to so, rank them, I'd probably put two at the bottom. I know, yeah. like most people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I would put three. Uh, probably. One four or four one; those two are probably interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, probably seven six five. Yeah. All right. So, so we're not yeah, that so far. Yeah. So reckoning is number four for me as well. Okay. So yeah, mid tier. Yeah, exactly. Right Directly at the middle. Um, so yeah, uh, what I really liked about this one, and I think everybody's like, oh, it's fine, but I actually did like the villain. I liked Gabriel. Um, I think that after Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think he might be maybe this close to the second like most interesting villain of the the Mission Impossible. I, was, um, I really like Sean Harris franchise. as a villain. No, not so much mm. for me. I liked him in the first one, not in not in the second. I agree, one, but that's but why I like Rogue Nation as the best. So yeah, yeah. But I, I also liked Gabriel. I know I like Gabriel. Yeah, he yeah. was a common criticism. They're like, oh, you don't need to have Gabriel in a movie where the villain is AI. And I'm like, I kind of like that the AI has a champion. Yeah, that he chose actually like a human being like to fulfill yeah. this, like its wish, basically. Yeah. And there's a lot of religious um, undertones with that. Like the the key to unlocking. God, God God's choosing Jesus like as his yeah, and like, spokesperson. We have yeah. uh, like Gabriel is like the archangel Gabriel. The, exactly, yeah. the key to unlock the AI when you put them together, it's it cross, makes a cross. Yeah. So it's just like there, there's some religious motifs, which is interesting considering the movie is so based on technology and AI. Yeah, it's true though. Yeah, it's like an uh, ano anachronistic. Is that the term? Yeah. Like something? And yeah, we yeah, had, yeah uh, totally. We had the apostles in MI5 as well. And MI and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, MI6. Yeah, 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 and then MI5 yeah, yeah. was the, the syndicate. The syndicate, yeah. It, am I really no, like I having like the something <laughs> as uh, <laughs> like this one was the entity, and then we had the syndicate, the apostles. It's, yeah, <laughs> they really it's like really that. simplistic words. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the stories of Mission Impossible are never, I think, like <laughs> the, compared to Nolan films. I think it's not even <laughs> it's, it's hard to put them in the same uh, category, but. No, we're there for the actions. We're there for the characters, and I don't know. Should we go into spoilers or not? Yeah, we can go into spoilers. Spoiler. Okay, so I was, I was spoiler alert. I was right because I actually made a prediction in a previous article I wrote last year when they decided to push back the release of this film, and I say, okay, if they're actually doing 
MI7 in two films. Uh, I was like, okay, they need like a significant threat mm -hmm. that is going to leave everything on a cliffhanger and maybe like Ethan steam, like Ethan to actually lose yeah. at the end of and the first film. And we didn't get film. the cliffhanger. We didn't get the cliffhanger. Ethan doesn't lose per se. I mean, he doesn't fulfill everything yeah. he was supposed to, but he doesn't lose. He's halfway on the journey, essentially. He's halfway on the journey, exactly. But he actually did, like, we're, we're, we lost the main character I here. I thought it was going to uh, be we Luther, did. personally. Yeah, but well, it was I, not. I, I, it was not, but I, I hinged between Luther and the one that we actually lost. But yeah, um, Ilsa Faust, Rubicus Ferguson character is, is dead. Rip yeah. Ilsa. <laughs> Repulsa, and I actually didn't like how they used her in this film. I like how they used her in the previous two, but not in this one. Um, I thought she was really like more of a backbencher here. Yeah, she sidelined a little I think bit. She, she has like three lines. I think she doesn't talk that much in this one. Have you have you noticed? I think I, she has something like three I don't know or four about how lines. many lines, but she was only in maybe three scenes. Yeah, she's not in there that much. Yeah. Um, Which made it a little hard to buy into the emotional connection because, that he yeah because in mi5 yeah. they are they're frenemies essentially and mi6 much, yeah. she only comes in halfway through the movie and there's a lot of like implications with the relationship with ethan but she's still a frenemies actually yeah. and if they're still frenemies in the sixth one because she's after the same thing to save her own skin and halfway, well, close to him, well, maybe after a little bit after halfway, she 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 like joins effort with the with the um, IMF, yeah, and she becomes like one of their agents basically. Yeah. And then here, she's still on her own basically, and she she's able to find one half of the cross that she keeps for herself, and like she's hiding from the rest of the world in the desert. Ethan finds her, then she goes away, and then she comes back again. And you're just like, okay, so are you part of the team? Are you not? Are you What's invested in a relationship yeah. with Ethan? Are you not? We're not Ethan? sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's implications that they're kind of like a thing when they're in Venice. They're like hanging on the, the yeah. balcony, and they're like, yeah, are they're, you? Hugging they're hugging and something. Bit, and they're like, yeah. are you like the series has never made it clear? So when Gabriel mm -hmm. does kill her, I'm like, my more they're like, ah oh, man, like. I really like Rebecca Ferguson as an actress. Like I wanted to see more of her and it almost felt like they were removing Ilsa just so they can bring Haley Atwell's character. I keep forgetting who her character to that that is actually like just replacing yeah. her like pure What's and simple because <laughs> Grace, Grace, Grace. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, because basically Grace, uh, and this is interesting I'm, and I'm really surprised we haven't covered this in the last six films, but for the first time since 1996, we actually know what was Ethan's past before he became an IMF uh -huh. agent. And we actually, we actually discovered that all, I guess, all of the IMF agents are ancient criminals, like exactly like in the Gray Man, yeah. basically. Checkered they pasts. did, yeah. They have a troubled past. So Ethan were is hinted to be a previous criminal who actually became now a hero and fighting for good. Yeah, he was offered like, uh, we'll and give that's, you like a blank slate if you come work for us. Exactly, and he was actually working with Gabriel in, in the past, so that's how they knew each yeah. other. And Grace is in a similar position. She's she's basically a criminal. She's a thief uh, for hire. And so she's presented with that choice. Eventually, he's like, well, we can wipe the slate clean exactly like 
Catwoman and the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. So again, like the the comparison between between her and Selina Kyle was so clear. I was just like, I don't find even even though I like Ailey Atwell as an actress and I, I liked her, I guess her chemistry with Tom Cruise. Um, I found her character to be so predictable. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, it's it's we've seen this like so many times before. So yeah, for me, she was like uh, the Catwoman of the <laughs> Mission Impossible franchise. So I have a, but she, I have a question you know. now for you, since we're at like fifty-one minutes and we're getting to the end here. Yeah, we're we're halfway done the the, the movies of the year so far, and we've had two big action movies. Mm-hmm. What do you rank as number one and number two? Am I so seven John or John Wick four? Good question. You know, for me, I think they're like side yeah, to they're, side. They're close, well, right? <laughs> they're close, but ooh. Yeah, you you have twenty dollars and you can only buy yeah. one on Blu-ray. In ter- <laughs> <laughs> well, I have well both. It's funny because both I have the entire series and I haven't mm-hmm. bought John Wick four yet. But in terms of action, I think John Wick is superior than Mission Impossible seven. But I prefer the story of Mission Impossible 7. So I think they're complementary. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's really hard, hard to, to pick say, one, right? Yeah, it's hard to pick one. Uh, I think my knee is John Wick. Yeah, and I, that would be understandable. And I think I would agree that I think maybe John Wick 4 is a superior film than Mission Impossible 7. Even though Mission Impossible 7 is still pretty cool. A great yeah, film. They, they great each have their film, plus but, and minuses. Like I think John Wick 4 is probably too long. Which is interesting because the director is working on a director's cut, apparently, for either theatrical or <laughs> home Jesus release. Christ. So it's a good thing we haven't bought it yet because there might be another edition Four hours coming out. of John Wick 4. Yeah. Um, yeah, but again, I think it's so hard to reach the peak that Fallout House because Fallout is a beast of a film that I think no one can like come close to. So it was so hard to actually... like beat this film to a pulp and just to like do even bigger stunts and just to I don't know it's 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 a movie that I think it's unbeatable in every way so it adds an, it had an impossible task from the get-go yeah, the bar was set, uh, like dead so reckoning, high either between the so last high. one or the one before depending on who you ask on this podcast but yeah, so. it's Dead Reckoning was in the position where it couldn't beat that bar no matter where it was so yeah, it had an impossible task, but it, it did admirably still. It's yes. still a great film. Uh, but yeah, it's not it's not the best Mission Impossible film. We'll see what Dead Reckoning Part Two has in stores. Yeah. But it's this one. It's 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 cool, and I like some of the, I think the wings to like the first Mission Impossible film. So a lot of inspirations from the first one, having Kit Ridge back. But the whole train scene, I'm like, okay, this is. <laughs> same as a Mission Impossible one, maybe too too similar. To be honest, mm-hmm. a lot of things really were even like borderline copy pasted from Mission Impossible one. Um, but uh, yeah, again, everything in Venice I really really liked. I like that the AI is the main threat, which you can really feel in this one. Pacing is a little slow here and here and there. A lot of humor, surprisingly, yeah, for a lot of such humor. a dramatic. Definitely the funniest such Mission a, Impossible movie. A lot of quips. It's possibly, I think, since the fourth one, it's maybe the 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 funniest uh, of them all. And everything's so dramatic regarding like what they're up against. Um, and yeah, no, good story overall. Good story, good characters, good villain. 
Um, not great, not that. I expected more action. I expected better action. Mm. Uh, that I can say. Not not the best film in terms of action. Makes sense. Yeah, Makes I would sense. say that's 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 it. That's that's Mission Impossible Seven. Go see it on the biggest screen you can. It's still great to see in theaters. You need to. Can't see it in IMAX um, anymore though. Oppenheimer hogged that one. <laughs> Yeah, and I know we can understand, I think, why Tom Cruise is pissed at yeah. this. In terms of box office, I don't know like how it's going to make, what, what it's going to make, because I think people are looking at MI7, Oppenheimer, Barbie to save cinema. Yeah. But, and Mission Impossible uh, underperformed a little bit. A little bit, but not dramatically, yeah. right? So I think it's it's breaking even, but it's just a question of, okay, how much you can actually make over that. Yeah, it was also a uh, pandemic movie, so it's... Uh, budget balloon to like 290 million because they kept having to stop and go stop and go so which is 290 million yeah <laughs> fuck yeah no. <laughs> i know <laughs> that's so that's so expensive yeah. <laughs> wow yeah Indy well was oh, yeah. 300 so yeah pricey movies pricey movies expensive price tags yeah. yeah. Well, we'll see uh, who comes on top next time we talk about about this. So, is it going to be Oppenheimer or Barbie? But yeah, Mission Possible is mostly most likely gonna gonna arrive third uh, because of the timing mostly and because of the IMAX yeah. screen that are. Uh, I want. I yeah. wanted to get your thoughts on a, a closing topic in the last like couple minutes, just real quickly. But uh, since the last time we spoke, we had a trailer for the new Ridley Scott movie. Napoleon. Yeah, no, I Napoleon. Just want to know as a big Ridley Scott fan, what do you think? Yeah, I well, I actually find that for I don't know compared to his other historical epics, but I really think that this one he's really trying to get closer to the historical facts and actually how things happen because some of the shots in the trailer are painted i think into history as like okay napoleon was there in this position mm -hmm. and i think mostly like his egypt shot like in front of the sphinx and exactly how things happen how they happened i actually thought was like oh interesting like he's closer to what history says happened around napoleon i'm still again i still have issues like again it's a french monarch and warrior i'm napoleon why not <laughs> yeah why not why not pick a french actor like and do this film in french that's again everything i still have issues with it's just uh, which is why not, a lot uh, of the supporting like the minor cast because i checked on uh, imdb a lot of them are uh, moroccan french moroccan oh well, okay good uh, at least so that's, I think, my main issue. But the production value of this film looks great. Um, I'm sure it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm curious if the script is going to be good. That's sometimes... It's the same guy who wrote All the Money in the World. Which was good. Which yeah, was a good film. He's also doing uh, out of Gladiator 2. So clearly Ridley likes working with them at least. Yeah. Because Ridley, again, even though he's one of my favorite filmmakers, if not my favorite filmmaker, his work is uneven. Oh, yeah. Recently. Ridley Scott is either like one of the best filmmakers or one of the most disappointing filmmakers. Yes. Um, his most recent films, though, were quite good. I mean, well, La the Last Duel was phenomenal. Loved it. L loved it. Yeah. yeah. Martian. House of Gucci. House of Gucci was interesting for different reasons. <laughs> I still love this film. I still like this film, but I wouldn't call it excellent, but it was entertaining at best. I can say that. Um, 
his previous work, the Martian, the Martian, you know, was but then great. Before that, we had but Alien Covenant and the Counselor, which I still enjoy. Counsel- oh boy, counselor, counselor, yeah, that's no, not not in the discussion. But um, yeah, Ridley Scott. I I think I'm still optimistic that this film is going to be good. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I'm sure, is going to be good. But again. I'm like, is wasn't there, even though like he's a great actor and he's good for the job, isn't there like a French actor you can take for this? For me, I like a Vincent, Vincent Cassel is maybe too old. Well, that's but my main criticism. Like on, Timothy Chalamet, maybe Timothy Chalamet. I don't know if he's too young, but well, that's my thing the, about may- the casting of Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix right now is, I think he's as old or older than Napoleon was when he died. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's considering why considering this like, movie yeah. looks like it's all or most of Napoleon's career, he is a maybe too old to play Napoleon. Was my initial thought. Um, I, I don't know who could have played him off the top of my head. I'm sure like Hawking Phoenix will certainly bring like the gravitas to the role. He's a great actor, but he wouldn't have been my first pick. No, me neither. Uh, I, I'm sure you'll do a good job, nonetheless. But that took me a little bit out of the, out of the experience because, yeah, he did look old to play the part. And again, I, it always bugs me when it's, and I I know they do that for other films with other nationalities. But maybe because we're <laughs> French Canadian, well, I'm French Canadian, I see this differently. But I'm just wasn't a French actor available. And why not just purely and simply? do this film in French with French actors yeah, so kind of like, a lot um, of the movie is the Three Musketeers that came out earlier this year with exactly. uh, Green and Vincent Cassel exactly same same thing um, but again I'm, I'm still optimistic maybe I don't know how much this movie actually cost him and if he's still able to break even in the box office with something like oh it's an Apple sorry it's an Apple original film yeah, yeah. so it's not Maybe it's going to be a minimal release in theaters, but it's going to be mostly on Apple TV. Yeah, I think it yeah. goes theatrical first, and then it goes to Spotify. Uh, not Spotify, to Apple. So the question is, will we get the famous Ridley Scott extended cut on 4K? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we haven't gotten a, an extended cut for Last Duel yet. Surprised? No, no. Well, it's the reason it's, why it's, I've been, it's uh, costly. It's costly, man, to do those yeah. things. So it's why I've been holding that, off. That's uh, why procuring a copy of it because I want to wait because I don't want to double dip on it. Yeah, I, to have that, that collector's edition. Yeah, because I got the, the, uh, the, the collector's cut. edition yeah. of Kingdom of Heaven. It's great. It's got like... I do have it as well yeah. and I have the director's cut and it's it's a great film. Yeah. The director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven if you haven't seen it, fantastic. go see it. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah. It's a good but film. But also the, all the special um, features that come with it. There's like a three-hour documentary on like the making... <laughs> I watched that. It's three, I think it's two <laughs> to three hours and it's like the making of and they were talking about like how originally Kingdom of Heaven was going to be a Napoleon movie about the Tripoli campaign, and then it evolved into Kingdom of Heaven. It's utterly fascinating, just the behind yeah. the scene. But it's it's the length <laughs> of a movie. <laughs> no, 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 it's too too long. Yeah. So I'm I'm optimistic. I'll I'll see it for sure on Apple TV Plus. May, if I'm able, maybe I'll in theaters. I'll probably go see it in depending theaters. on it's its run. IMAX, so. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just it's difficult to do those kinds of movies uh, today in 2023 yeah. with the the flopbuster season we're having. It's so yeah, I, I I just it's it's hard for me to imagine like movies like that being made after this after this year like and expect a good movie run. Yeah. It's well, Gladiator it's Two. 
I don't know mm-hmm. how they're gonna release this one anymore, yeah. or at least not not in conventional theaters. We'll we'll see, but yeah, yeah I'll watch it. Uh, I like Ridley, so I'll I'll watch it and we'll review it when it comes yeah. out. So, but good closer, good closer. <laughs> good, thank you for the reminder. All right, guys, uh, we're over an hour, so in two weeks we'll get back to you with, uh, I guess, if all goes well, uh, either a review of Barbie or Oppenheimer or both. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll discuss get, that in the on, SAG Yeah, I think depending with, on uh, if the strike Alice. is still going, we're going to get a Screen Hub's Alexander Abbey on the show, and we're going to talk about the strikes that are happening. So stay tuned for yeah, that. The writer's strike, writer's strike and the SAG strike. So not much is produced in Hollywood at this time, that's no, for sure. I think one of the few things... Uh, on a standstill. One of the few things that's operating right now is House of the Dragon. True. Yeah, yeah because they're not uh, SAG, uh, yeah. SAG uni- unionized, right? Yeah, there's equity, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, bro. So uh, we'll talk again in two weeks. Yeah. Have a good time. Thanks for and listening, uh, everyone. And the, the link for the f- um, the fundraiser is going to be down below along with the other usual stuff. Like the show, review the show. Always appreciated. Please do all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, bro. Talk soon. Talk soon. Bye. Thanks. Bye.